Welcome to the Dear People of Earth podcast. Today we speak with actor and comedian Michael Ian Black. Michael and Steve sit down and discuss current disclosure events from the Schumer legislation to consciousness to technology and physics. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening. Four, three. All right. Welcome to another edition of Dear People of Earth. With me today, I have a true MIB, Michael Ian Black. He's out here with us. He's a big UFO guy. Uh, he follows along uh, on UFO Twitter. Uh, along with us and i follow you and i listen to your podcast and uh dear people of earth to me not only a great podcast terrific title by the way thank you you know i i wanted to come up with something a little catchy something a little Mm -hmm. bit different um Mm -hmm. i am not in fact an alien um okay although i've been called that a few times but i I have not (laughs) i'm not i'm not a real alien um but yeah so i wanted to uh bring you on I, i i reached out to you you said you had a lot of interest in coming on, so here we are. We're 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 finally yeah. together. I think you reached out, and I think I responded in about three minutes. Yeah, it was very quick. Yep, it, it, yeah. it was very quick. Um, there was no moss grown on that at all, so it was it was pretty cool. I enjoy that. Well, uh, you're you're one of my favorite new accounts to follow, and as I said, I listened to the podcast, and I have just been utterly intrigued by the things you have to say. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll wait for the siren. It's funny. I just had one in my background, too. That was my background. I think it was me and you were hearing. Oh, was it? Oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, apparently there's a fire or something here in Savannah, Georgia. Um, yeah, I've been totally intrigued with the things you've had to say and uh, the videos that you've seen and the source that you have and the whole thing. Um, all of that with the caveat that I don't know whether to believe you or not, but I don't think you want me to believe you necessarily. I think you want me to not necessarily right. take you at your word. Yep. I invite the total skeptic to the skepticism. I, I want questions asked. Um, you know, we don't move forward in this, in this arena anyway, um, unless we get fact and truth. And that's the yep. honest answer behind all of it. Um, and you know, as I've said before, I'm a hardline disclosure advocate. I want, mm-hmm. I want it out there. Yes, these things are here, and and from there on, it's all details. At that point, is it exactly this or that or whatever? You know, I, I'm not going to. I have my own ideas, of course, but at the end of the day, um, I don't think any one of us, with the exception of maybe a very few. Um, have all the answers. Um, it's very compartmentalized for many, many, many years. And um, <clears throat> certain people know a lot more than other people. Um, there were some recent interviews. I know that Jeremy uh, and George Knapp had out there, um, guy that was in charge of one of the uh, governing boards that was overseeing ATIP, excuse me, with Lou, Lou Elizondo. And you know, he, he made an admission that, yes, in fact, the United States do have craft, craft that have been penetrated and, and we've seen inside and gone inside. Um, I think that's been a lot of news that's been out there for many, many years. Um, it just it's now coming to the point where it's it's incredibly difficult to deny these things much longer. Um, I thought there was something kind of startling about that interview, which was. It's, it's, it's such a small thing, but it really struck me, the idea that we have this craft and we've been able to get inside of it, which implied to me 
that they really had to struggle to figure out how to get inside of it, which makes a lot of sense. How would you know how to open that door? Um, right. But just something simple like that gives a kind of inkling as to the um, what must be so perplexing and befuddling about the idea of interacting with a non-human intelligence. Just that tiny little detail made me sort of stop and go, yeah, of course, like just getting inside the thing might be incredibly difficult. And then once you get in and you have no idea what you're looking at, must be amazing. And, and one of the things that through my source and through others and through what I have heard, and, and I think Lou has said this, I think um, David Grush has said this, that the external part of these things, especially with the, the, the tic-tac objects and the orb objects, um, it's a combination of a skin, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it, it's not, um, it's not like an airliner just, like we have. Right. It's, there's, it's, there's it's, something it's, biological. There's something biologic to it, right? And I I know that when I talked to my, my guy, they talked about trying to get into it. And mm-hmm. every time they tried to get into it, it healed itself. So they can make the oh, scratch wow. or they can make the scrape or they can do this. But every time they tried to actually do something with it, um, it was only until they p- applied a field Um and my understanding was there's a huge magnetic field that these things create. Um, and he talked about applying fields to it that allowed it to get inside, to, to get inside. So there's, there wasn't a specific quote unquote door per se, mm-hmm. unless these things are able to somehow create a door or move a door or, or it wasn't a door because the craft themselves um, for all intents and purposes, are closed. They're completely mm-hmm. and totally. There's no windows. There's no. There's no opening per se to get in and out of. That's why a lot of these are considered, especially with the orbs, um, they're considered to be autonomous. They're not. There's nothing. There's no people inside. Well, quote unquote people. Um, there's no biologics that are inside. Whereas the larger ones do. Um, mm-hmm. If you look back, and some of the things that's always fascinated me is if you look back, let's say, into the 40s and 50s, you're talking about um, discs, right? And you don't mm-hmm. see quite as much of that anymore. You don't and, – and I, one of the things that people have asked me is, like, well, why were they discs in the past, but now we don't see discs? First of all, we, we do still see discs. People still right. see discs all the time. Um, it's possible that you're talking about multiple intelligences that are out there. We don't know. Um, for certain, at least I don't know for certain. So maybe you're talking about different beings that are using and controlling different craft. It could be that one is more um, prevalent here now, as opposed to 50 years ago, 60 years ago. I don't have that answer completely. Um, but, you know, the, the short answer to that was that we still do see them. They're, they're mm-hmm. still part of the the, you know, morphology of what these things are that are moving around in the sky so well presumably um, and maybe i lost you there on my end from the 40s and 50s don't necessarily look like cars from today even though we still see cars from the 40s and 50s on the road i don't know if that's a good analogy or not but there's also um the idea that uh, as you've just said, there could be different species using these. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's certainly 
that these craft end up becoming manifestations of what we project onto them. Right. And, and that's another part of the whole situation is that we've had this thing. <clears throat> One of the things that's difficult for me, because I, my mind works very much like a uh, technical, right? Mm -hmm. So for me personally, I have a hard time with the conscience side of it, even though mm -hmm. if you speak to anybody that is dealing with this phenomenon, whether it's high up or, or, you know, other people that I've spoken with that haven't come out publicly. Um, one of the main things that has been, you know, kind of hand in hand with this is the consciousness aspect of it. Um, you have some people that claim, and it's very hard to, to discredit this because there's, I, I believe a lot of these folks do believe exactly what they're saying, um, that there is a consciousness with this and that the manifestation of their consciousness along with these craft go hand in hand. And now we have others, like for example, Ross Coltart um, talks about this pretty extensively and it's become more in the lexicon lately that there are more and more of these crafts that are attributed to either a calling or a consciousness or um, a definite, I, I want to say maybe after they've seen these things, um, that they've had a definite impact on their life and on how they feel about things that are moving through the world and their consciousness connected to, um, you know, whether it's galaxy or, or universal. Um, and in fact, Kevin Day, who I just um, interviewed, he was with the Nimitz Encounter Group, the Tic Tac, the, the big 2004 mm -hmm. event. Um, he was very, very affected by this. Uh, his, you know, he, he even used it as an ontological shock um, discussion with me that ever since this has happened to him, he's had, you know, in Australia, they call it a walkabout. But what he did is he went into, you know, basically into the woods and kind of um, just <laughs> contemplated life and, and, and what this meant. And he's asked a lot of questions about that. And if you think about it, he's kind of a tertiary to an actual contact because a lot of people have direct contact with orbs, Tic Tacs, other beings. Um, and again, I have difficulty with it sometimes because my mind is very technical. I work towards the physics of things um, and being able to tacitly touch things. So, so it's difficult for me sometimes, but I have to remind myself that a lot of these people had that contact, that tacit contact. Yeah. And, you know, what is it? I don't, I don't understand that side of it as much. Um, sometimes you talk to people and you like, you know, but then there's other times where you got to you got to listen to them and you're going to hear what they're saying. And, and, you know, Kevin Day strikes me as someone who is just about as authentic as you can get. And when he tells you that there's been within him, he's had some type of 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 consciousness and awakening. I think we have to we have to listen to that and we have to discover what that is. Yeah. And. I have heard those stories time and time again. And in fact, I think we might be slightly the opposite in this regard. I got into, I mean, I was always interested in UFOs from the mm -hmm. time I was a kid. I don't know what sparked that interest. I mean, this is like pre-Star Wars. I don't know why, I don't know where that came from, but it was definitely like in my consciousness from the very beginning. And then I kind of fell out of it and got back into it in 2017, along with so many other people. Right. But 
between 2017 and let's say, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I also started looking into near-death experiences and consciousness and the nature of reality. And all of those things tie, as we know, somehow to this phenomena. Although I think everybody has a difficult time sort of capturing why and how exactly. There is certainly the consciousness aspect of it. But for me, there is also, I think, the deeper um, question of the kind of uh, fundamental nature of reality itself. And my my own ontological shock comes from, and it's something I think I'm still processing, comes from the idea that, or the recognition, I should say, that our human perception of the world is at best, at very best, extremely limited. We're not engaging, we're incapable of engaging with the kind of larger reality that we see hints of all the time. And we see hints of it in the UFO discussion, in the near-death experience um, conversations, in the sort of larger consciousness conversations. All of it seems to be pointing to something. And what it's pointing to, as far as I can tell, is a reimagining and new understanding of the of of reality as we of a reality that we know is there but can't quite reach that to me is what's so fascinating about this i'm also very interested in the technical side of it very interested in the kind of nuts and bolts aspect of it but for me the deeper i've gotten into it the more i've realized the most compelling part of it to me is how this question dovetails with so many other questions and how all of that connects to the fundamental nature of reality, which I feel like as people, we haven't even scratched the surface of. That's what's so intriguing to me. Well, it, and there was a, I, I have to go back and maybe I can find it and put it in the notes for this, but there was a person um, and I touched on it very briefly uh, that was very recently uh, concluded a study um, near-death experiences. And one of the most fascinating things that, that came, that, that really talked to me about it and, and was one of the things where, so let me, let me back up a little bit. A lot of times near-death experiences are attributable to activity in the brain when one is, is going through the process of dying. Um, and that was for a very long time, just sort of the pat answer that there's no real life after death. It's your brain shutting down. And, um, but his, his study directly refuted and he has papers and documentation that, um, some of these near death experiences that he was talking about, um, when they went back and they, they talked about brain death and, and consciousness, um, came after the, actual electrical impulses from the brain stopped. Um, and then they were still working on the person. They were still trying to do that. And they brought them back up and they actually spoke about the things that were occurring to them. Um, people talking around them, um, consciousness of understanding things and they couldn't bring it back with them. Um, because when they were brought back to life, they were, some of those things were no longer there. The knowledge was no longer there. So I found that to be very interesting and very credible because he has, I mean, there's, there's just reams and reams and reams of paperwork about that. Boy, I'm old. I'm talking about reams of paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Megabytes, um, terabytes. Yeah, it's just, 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 <laughs> just bites of information out there. 
So I, I found that to be incredibly intriguing. And another part of it is there was a, um, a psychologist who has since passed on who did this tremendous amount of work on experiencers. And one of the things that he did when he cataloged all of his work is he didn't tell the experiencers. This is John Mack or somebody else? I think it's John Mack. Yeah. Okay. So he was talking about to his clientele or to his experiencers that he was discussing. Um, he never told them all the same thing. Like he didn't go into a situation and say, well, Bill over there had this, 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 and this happen. He actually just went into the situations blind and what he found was there were many, many, not coincidences, but actually just verifiably discussed the same phenomenon, the same things over and over and over and over again. And it's it was overwhelming to, to look at that. So you have to think of two things. Either he was making the whole thing up, which he has video recordings of these people, mm -hmm. or they all experienced something. So that in and of itself is a, you know, from the consciousness point of view, you know, what is going on there? There's something with this phenomenon that is to me relatable to everything that's going on around us. And, and I think you're right. We haven't scratched the surface. And like I said, for me, it's, it's come, it's, it's difficult for me to get past it because I'm such a, a, a literal person at times, but I'm, I'm learning as I go along to accept, maybe not even accept, but at least listen to those things and, and try and have some more understanding about it. Um, I think I that's, think that's you know, so important. I think it is important to recognize with the experiencers, of which I am certainly not, that regardless of the cause, and I think this is what John Mack was getting at, regardless of the cause, these people have undeniably experienced something profound, something. sometimes something. profoundly terrifying, sometimes profoundly enlightening. Um, and the same is true with the near-death experiencers. There, something is occurring, and they may be related, they may not be. It may be that there's something that happens in the brain under difficult or, 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 or peculiar circumstances where the brain does something and uh, creates a kind of hyper reality where you're experiencing these things. But it doesn't quite add up for the reason that you said, which is that they're all experiencing the same, always the same, but right. very similar, very similar things that either have some kind of basis in their actual lived reality, or there is something deep in our brain that will generate these kinds of circumstances or these kinds of narratives. Um, and so when you report back on it, you're going to report back on the same kinds of narratives, regardless of the reason. It's fascinating and deserves to be studied in depth, um, regardless of what is behind all of this, it just points to the fact that we don't have clue one about consciousness. And that itself is fascinating. Like the questions to me are far more fascinating than any answers I feel like you can come up with. The questions only populate, only continue to populate. The, as soon as you resolve something, 10 questions pop up in their stead 
And that to me is the joy of this field. That to me is the joy of this mystery because we know there's something there and we don't have any idea what it is. And that to we me don't. is just like endlessly fascinating. It, it is because, and you're right. And it's the same, whether you're, whether you're talking consciousness or UAP physicality, UFO physicality, the second you answer, ask one question and you get an answer. There's, there's so many more questions that you go, well, okay, so I gained entrance into this UFO. Mm-hmm. And every time I put something to it, it closed itself. Mm-hmm. Put a spectrometer to it, and we can't, we can't read it because we don't even have the knowledge as to what it could be. So it comes up anomalous. It comes up as something like a uh, question mark, you know, that, that question <laughs> mark in the, in the universe that we just saw. From the James yeah. Webb Telescope, we, well, why is there a big question mark? Well, we don't freaking know. You know, we we don't know. Someone's sending us a message, going, "Hey, you know, it's an artifact in the code." It's, it's yeah, it's it's a it's a glitch in the matrix. But it's it's you know, it, it's funny how sometimes you know, I kind of just came up with this how Hollywood kind of mirrors or even predicts and science fiction predicts these things it's like do these people at some point have knowledge that we like it it blows me away it's like oh my god you know you look at spielberg and some of his work with uh et and you look at some of the work with uh uh yeah it's like it's so dead on to what we think the reality might be and the more and more we go along I know, and he he had Jacques Valley was one of his big advisors, and so was uh, what's his name there, Project Blue Book. Um, I don't know, the brain's not working. But Heineck, Alan Heineck, who was even in the movie. I mean, obviously, he's getting his information from somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Something that fascinated me about Heineck was he went into the whole. Excuse me, he went into the whole thing, a total skeptic, and came out a believer. Um, yeah. You know, that that fascinates me. Um, I feel like that was true with Elizondo, too. Or Elizondo yeah. was agnostic about it, didn't have an opinion one way or the other. Right. And I feel like the same has been true, at least with, with what Grush was saying. Uh, I don't feel like Grush had any particular uh, opinion about it when he went into it. Yeah, I, I agree. And in and, fact, you know, it seems and, like it seems like if you have an opinion about it, you're not going to be allowed into those programs. I, I like if, was if you come in with that. a bias. Yeah. Yeah. If you go in with your right, no, you're you're exactly right. I think if you go into it, you know, with the if I were to go into it with my belief system now, especially now over the past six months, I probably wouldn't be able to be allowed to do that. Um, I imagine they give. I I find both of those men to be very sober individuals, right? Mm -hmm. I find both of those men to be thoughtful, incredibly intelligent. Um, well-meaning, of course, but I also, I, I have a strong believability for both of those men. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly times where you'll see out in the field, there's a lot of, you know, you get a grifter, you're this, you're that, whatever, that's fine. But I believe that their end game is as well, disclosure, um, as a whole. I, I, and, you know, we talk about Lou and I know that he has a something coming out shoot soon and, um, I, I believe that you're going to see something that is going to end up being something that can't be disproven. It won't and is it be, something you've seen? I have, have not personally seen it. 
um, heard things about it. Um, I don't, I don't want to get into whom I talk to behind the scenes, but we do have um, a network behind the scenes that we discuss things. Um, certain individuals, and again, I don't want to name names, but they're, you know, from the top down. Um, mm -hmm. I've been lucky enough to be included in some of that. Um, some of that I'm not included in, but some of it I am. Um, and there's been some pretty cool things that I, I believe are going to come out. Um, again, I don't have all of the picture of it. I don't have 100% of it. I have some of it. Um, and with some of the people, like I, I just recently um, had a about a three-and-a-half-week discussion back and forth with somebody adjacent to Arrow. Um, and one of the things that we have been discussing um, was that, and, and this, this is tough for me to say, um, is that Kirkpatrick is really not being treated fairly by the community. Um, hmm. And the reason for that is because, uh, so Arrow was set up as supposed to be a, a dissemination house, right? It's supposed to be an investigative arm of the Department of Defense. It's less that and more of a clearinghouse for information. Um, it, it, it is correct that when, and, and I know for a fact that Kirkpatrick does not do all the interviews, um, but there are people within the organization that conduct these interviews. And I know it's come out a few times that it felt like um, people that were discussing things uh, oh, they barely wrote anything down on a piece of paper. It didn't feel like an investigation. It felt like a platitude. It felt like we were, they were placating us. And um, I have a little of information on that. And the idea is that though these people are telling this information, there's nothing new. Um, it's it's well known. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, BB talks to CC and says, I was part of a reverse engineering program. Uh, we looked at the lasers and we looked at the skin of the crap. They already know. It's 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 not anything that they're telling them new. Um, but I have understood part of what has occurred is that they are vehemently opposed to them talking about it in a certain respect, and they are reminded that they are still under NDAs and that they are the under the umbrella of the DoD. Um, and that it's not going to be discussed. You're, you're not going to tell that. And whether they are, I, I doubt this is true, but I was told that some of them have been told that this is a campaign that is slow. It's moving in a certain direction. Now, I don't know if all of them are told that or if maybe the people that are currently still working on these programs are told that. Um, I don't have that answer. Um, I just I can I can infer from the context of what has been told to me, but I can't I can't come out there and say for certain that that's what's occurring. But I can say that what is occurring from inside the person that I have spoken with is that there's no new news coming from these people. Um, it's it's all known. It's and it's DOD. If it's all known, and if Arrow is saying. If Arrow is saying it's all known on one hand, on the other hand, they're saying we don't have any evidence. We don't have any evidence. anything extraterrestrial. So it's hard for me to reconcile those two statements and the statement that Kirkpatrick is being given a hard time because he's lying. Mm -hmm. I mean, if what you're saying is true, then Kirkpatrick is lying. And and there are many, many people out there. Um, so guys like Lou will probably not come out. Oh, oh, Grush did say 
he must be mistaken, which was a nice way of saying you're lying. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that was after that bizarre thing that came out on indeed. Um, Mm -hmm. he, 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 not indeed, um, LinkedIn, um, Mm -hmm. to put out a statement like that. And, and you know what I'm talking about, right? That, that Mm -hmm. statement, you know, I, I do expect somebody to, um, defend their team. I, I think that's the right thing to do, but it was just a bizarre way of doing it. Like it was, it, it, it seemed it was very prickly and very self-defensive in a way that didn't need to be. And he, no. actually, he didn't need to say anything, really. Right, right. He didn't owe an explanation to anybody. It was just kind of like mm-hmm. one of those things. I know he's called Dr. K by the people that are inside. Um, and they have a high, at least the person that I spoke to has a very high view of Dr. K. Um, mm-hmm. Likes him, uh, says he's not disingenuous, but that there are, and, and as this was told to me multiple times, there are bigger fish. Um, meaning he's not, even though, uh, you know, he has a boss, a direct boss that oversees that arrow is not, and was never meant to be the arm of disclosure. It was meant to be a quote unquote investigative arm. The problem is, is that the investigations are known. Um, now whether these special access projects are all known to him and team, I don't have that information. Um, I can just say that, you know, and if you talk or if you listen to anything about, you know, what Ross Coltart says, and he is very plugged in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's lying. He, he's he's he doesn't have a choice on the matter. Um, well, that's the other aspect of it. He very well may have good reasons for lying. I, but, I, I don't know what those are, um, but I can certainly see five years from now when we look back and we go, OK, well, that makes sense. We, we understand now why Kirkpatrick was in the impossible position he was in. He couldn't say, yes, we have these things because of X, Y and Z. I just want to get to that point. I just want to understand this moment. Of course, right. five years from now, we'll be bitching about something else and saying, well, OK, well, we, we have disclosure. But but, you know, there's it a reticulized. What do they want? You know, it's right. like, <laughs> and that's, you know. You know that's part of it. And, and, and one of the things that uh, if you go back and you listen to Lou, and I, I harped on this with this person, um, could not get a straight answer. But I, I, I'm, you have to read between the lines with some of this stuff. Lou was talking on a podcast, and he was talking about the possibility that the acknowledgement of these yes. beings could trigger an event, Right. Right. So then you have to ask yourself, is, uh, is there something, and I don't have this answer. This is simply a question that I'm asking. Is there something behind the scenes that once it's acknowledged and we know about it as, let's say, allies, because there are certainly other countries that are involved in this as well. Is there something that they know that when it's triggered, and wh- or rather when it is fully out there and it is fully acknowledged, was it a trigger for something? And we can't answer that question until we know the full, you know, reality of what's going on. You know, is it, does it trigger a war? I don't know. Does it trigger um, humanity's capture? I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously speculating here. It's a wild speculation, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. And when you listen to people that you know, know, and they tell you things like it's going to be somber or it's going to be um, not what you think it is. I think you got to listen and and look between the lines of what they're trying to say. So there has been times that I sat there and I've thought to myself, do I want to keep pushing this? Because I've, I've moved up a little bit in this. 
Um, you know, do we want to keep pushing this? Is there a reason why we should stop? Um, and the, the long and the short answer ends up always being, if I have cancer, do I want to know, do I want my doctor to tell me you're fine? Or do I want to know and, and make my plans and do what I have to do? Um, but then, there's the, then there's the question of what if going to the doctor triggers your cancer? Right. What if you don't have cancer until you go to that doctor to see what's wrong? You right. know, it's, and it's that's that's, that's a legitimate. Yeah, it's scary. At the same time, I understand that you're a hard D disclosure guy. I feel like Lou is a hard D disclosure guy. I mean, he's certainly done everything that he can. Christopher Mellon seems like that, too. So these are people who and yourself included, who seem certainly a lot more plugged in than I am. And those people are advocating for disclosure. I know just as an ethical choice for me personally, I'm the same as you. Like, I want to know. I want to know if there's bad news, just tell me the bad news. Tell me. If it's, on the other hand, if you could convince me, and nobody has been able to to this point, that acknowledging the existence of something creates um, some sort of negative consequence, okay, then I guess I understand that. But even still, I, I just feel like as a species, we have a kind of fundamental right to, to know the world that we're living in. It, it, it almost seems bizarre to, that, that anybody would argue otherwise. We, as a species, our whole gig is finding shit out. Like, that's all we do. Right. Nothing, nothing is going to stop us from raising questions and trying to answer them. This is one of the most profound questions we could possibly have. I don't see anything getting in the way of us trying to figure out what the answers are, if the answers are knowable. And maybe they're not. Well, therein lies part of the question. Is it knowable? Right? Like, so one of the things that I talked about with, um, and again, this is all recent stuff, but we talked about interdimensionality. We talked about uh, Einstein, Rose, and Bridges. We talked about the technical and the physics aspect of it. And the answer that I got back was it's not nearly what you think it is. It's not quite like that's not the, though they are using and utilizing some of the, the concepts that humans have come up with, it may not be quite what you think it is. And, and I couldn't really get much more out of it. Um, whether this person just and was does. this person was he speaking from speculation or knowledge? Mm -mm. No, speaking from knowledge, but also partially speculation. So this person didn't know the full answer as to what the enigma and the phenomenon is, but they can tell you. For example, I, I specifically talked about interdimensionality, um, and the the answer came back to me that they're not interdimensional. Um, that. There is, an, there is an aspect of that, but that's not where they reside. Like it's not their, it's not their normal place of being. Um, it's simply a mechanism and a tool. That's all it is. Simply like, for example, like we use electricity, right? And, and it's a tool. It's not where we reside. It's a force, but it's not where we reside. And it's the same thing with uh, if you, if you look at gravity. Now, 
gravity, I can get deep into the physics. I, I won't, I won't go down that road, but if you look at it um, and you look at the four forces of, of nature and, and the universe, we don't know what it all is. Right. I, I talked about previously, we, we talked about, uh, one of the missions to Psychos that's going on right now that, that NASA is going up there, if they were able to pull that thing in here, right, if they were able to pull that thing to Earth, it would collapse the Earth's economy because there's so much gold, there's so much metal that it would literally, like, you could you could give every man, woman, and child on the planet 100 pounds of gold. Like, you could just, or more, right? So, um, it's 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 like we don't know everything that's going on and this thing's i mean if if this thing's close enough for us to travel to right and and land on and and take pictures and samples that's in our galactic background right or back mm-hmm. back yard yard Cons- yeah consider the entirety of the universe just forget the universe consider the entire the galaxy the galaxy right um we just don't have all the answers we don't even know that we have all of the right elements yet, right? We we, we posit that there are elements that are out there um, that we've never discover, discovered. Other heavy elements, right? So now you start talking about heavy elements. You're talking about nuclear force elements, right? You know, if we if we have access to those, what are we going to be able to do with them? We don't know. Is 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 you know? You talk about um, Lazar. Now, I'm not a huge Bob Lazar, I, I have problems there. There, there's things in his background that make me pause. So there's, but let's just go on that thought, right? Let's say he has element one fifteen. What the hell is element one fifteen? Is it an element that allows this type of travel? Is it on a rock that we're going to find in five years, ten years? Do we already know about it? And we're not putting it out there. So that's why when I say we talk about all of these things that are occurring within this space, there's so much that we don't know about in our own backyard for us to say it isn't this or it is this. We just can't answer that question yet. But getting back to what I was talking about with him. So the biggest concern is, is that it's not quite what ufo twitter is thinking even he told me i had a lot of the tech right um i had pretty much all the nhi stuff completely wrong um and And to that end did he say how you got it wrong like did he did he clarify yeah Yeah, so the 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 small gray beings are almost um like a, a a guarantee like that they're there um he said more than likely some of my my conclusions for them um, are correct in that there are a couple things. Number one, um, they're, I guess, ambivalent at best. Um, they do have a job to do. Um, part of it has to do with um, a technological point of view with humanity. Um, did not get much further than that. But that the main element is supposed to look just like you and me that it, you wouldn't know if he stood next to you, you'd have no idea. And I, I talked about with the interdimensionality of that, remember, because one of the things that I kind of posited and talked about when I talked to my first contact was that 
these beings could be interdimensional standing next to you and you wouldn't even know that they were there. He said, that's not how it works. That, and, and so from that respect, from the NHI respect, that was probably incorrect. So again, I'm, I'm willing to, as I go along and I learn things and I speak to people, I am 100% willing to adjust and, and rethink what it is that is out there. Um, Did you ask this question? If you're standing one next, uh, next to one of them and you wouldn't know, do they know? Apparently, do they know that they are an NHI? Um, so we didn't get deep into that. And, and that's a good question that I should have asked. And I did not. I think at that point I was just kind of like in a little bit of like disbelief about that particular revelation. And I and one of the follow-ups I did say was, well, do they have different features? And he says, no, it's literally like you can stand next to them. And my understanding from what he's talking about is the oceans are full to a certain extent. Um, and, and we talked about that, which is what triggered, um, I sent you, I accidentally sent you that, um, what do you call it? The FOIA request. The FOIA request. I specifically asked, because I haven't seen it before about, uh, Underwater or or I underwater, what is it? U H I R. Yeah, submersible. USOs. USOs. And and they put through a. Just a quick note here during our recording. Unfortunately, at this point, uh, we had a little technical difficulty. The computer uh, died on me. Uh, it was going through an update so we're going to join back in here just in a moment uh, but unfortunately I lost just a few minutes it wasn't a long time but here we are all right so I may have to go to a different route here it looks like my uh, my laptop is trying to do an automatic update which I was unaware of oh I see so now I'm on my phone um, so I guess it'll just re-record and I'll just have to put them together after technical difficulties are awesome the best so um, you know, one of the things that we were discussing and what we were talking about was um, those beings being able to be essentially right next to you, um, and you wouldn't be able to tell what they were. Um, not that they didn't look human, but that you wouldn't know that they were from any place else. And one of the things that he was very adamant about, let me adjust just this a little bit more, is that um, they came from somewhere else. But many of them are native right here to, to where we are now. Um, In other words, they originally came here from someplace else, but have settled here the way Europeans colonized America. Exactly. And they've been here for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So my understanding is, is and I don't know if it's that particular species has been here longer than humanity. Um, there's something. And are we a product of them? Didn't get into is the it. reason that they is the reason that we're indistinguishable is because not so much that they look like us, but we look like them. Don't know, um, and he did not have that answer for me. That I did ask. Um, mm -hmm. I asked about um, engineering, and I asked about um, human origins. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't part of the. We didn't get into it. It wasn't something mm -hmm. that. Um, I don't, I don't know if he had knowledge of it, to be honest with you. So I mm -hmm. did ask, and we were on text. I didn't have – there were no phone conversations or anything like that. So it's very hard to infer um, things when you're texting people. Um, 
So I, I did try and and get those answered. Now the thing, one of the questions asked was, "Am I certain that this person was telling me the truth?" All I can tell you is that I found this person through some of my investigations. So when I reached out to this person, I know I was reaching out to this person directly. I can't tell you if I'm part of a psyop. I can't tell you if he was telling me lies about everything. You know, one of the things that I have said from the beginning is that I can only tell you what was told to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can make speculation. Um, I can certainly infer from context and and read between the lines with some things. Um, but again, I had difficulty with it because I felt like it was kind of a love letter to Kirkpatrick, and I'm not thrilled mm-hmm. about that part of it. Um, mm-hmm. But again, and then, and I had a lot of difficulty whether or not I was going to write that story and talk about this at all. Um, I, very reticent um, because f- some of it felt like it was being fed to me, um, mm-hmm. like I was just a useful idiot. So I was kind of mm-hmm. like, eh, like, do I do this or or do I just let it go and not say anything? And I, I said something about it. And then the next thing you know, I needed to get it out there. So, mm-hmm. you know. That part. Yeah, yeah, I read that piece. I read that piece, and you were you were careful to say, "Look, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know if this guy if, the, if this guy's telling me the truth or not." But here it is. This is this is the conversation that we had, and I think that's all you can do as a diligent investigator is to report on what somebody told you without necessarily saying this is true. Oh, please tell me, Bruce, I didn't do true. that again. Oh, are you, are you, am I frozen again? Yeah, you froze up, but I can hear you. Okay, um, we don't. The more information and the more data points that can be out there, the better, because they can either be corroborated or disproven by other people. And, you know, in those contradictions, we may find truth. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different speculation out there about the, you know, we've talked about this, but the consciousness with the, with the whole thing and, um, if I bring it back a little bit, so the the orb photo that I had um, that was brought to me by my friend Juan, um, who the the picture was taken by someone that he met on a on a trip. Um, so this guy Fernando and and Juan went away for two weeks, so I haven't been able because he he needs to uh, do some translation for me when we talk to Fernando. Fernando does speak good English. Um, but it's not perfect, and there's some things that get lost in translation. So, and this is—he's Peruvian. Is that do I have that right? So he is uh, Brazilian. Um, Brazilian. But this was taken um, over the rainforest in um, uh, Ecuador, Ecuadorian Got rainforest. It. So, what happened was here's here's exactly how it happened. He had his iPhone. Boom, boom, boom. Taking pictures here. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Just taking some pictures. He didn't even know um, until after he looked at the photos. He goes, what the hell is that? Um, and then he opened it up and there it was. And then subsequently, subsequently, we put it out there. People are like, that's a butterfly. I'm like, at first I looked at it, I was like, there's no way because you can tell it's far away. But then the more I looked at it, the more I got a little scared. I was like, I'm going to look like an idiot because this is a butterfly. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I looked at it and I went, oh, shit. This is a fucking butterfly. Excuse my friend. I'm like, this is a butterfly. And I put this out there as an orb. And then the 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 person that I had looking at it, he is like this technical just genius. Like he is 
he he builds entire systems that are um, like off grid systems for uh, connectivity across the world. Like this guy is just freaking brilliant. Um, and one of the things that he has to do is he does all this three dimensional rendering, right? He does all these things that are. Um, hold on, what? Oh, I know. My wife has the cat. So he does all of these things and he renders all of these objects. Um, and basically he was able to say, you know, this thing's big. Um, number one, number two, it's way out there. It's, it's, uh, you know, caught something on there that's pretty wild. So of all that, it's been, you know, one of these things that has been very cool. And now it's been shown to another person, um, who is a PhD. Um, I have to be careful here with what I give away, but this person said it's the exact same thing that they've seen before. Um, hmm. Like it was, <laughs> I can't go too deep with it because he's still under an NDA, but um, it's consistent with what he has seen and worked with in the past. Let me oh, put it that way. So that that's brand new. Like I just found that out today. Um, hopefully I'll be able to put some more information out there. Juan was the one that got the information for me, my kind of partner in crime. <laughs> so, um, I'm hoping that he's going to be able to put more of that information out there and allow me to get that out there. But for right now, I, I can't, I want to, I want to scream it out and say, you know, there was a confirmation of this from somebody. So we'll, we'll get more into that, but yeah. So one of the other things with, with Fernando and, and again, back to the consciousness thing is that he was affected very deeply by this as well. And yeah. he's again, I'm going to let him tell his story and that is coming up soon. Um, but I want him to be able to tell you how it affected him personally, how it is continuing to affect him. Um, it's, he's an interesting dude. He's a very interesting guy. I, I think everybody's going to like him quite a bit, actually. He's, mm. he's a good dude. Yeah. I, it's interesting. The, the deeper I get into it, the less interested I, I become in um, sightings, mm -hmm. um, triangle sightings, mantis sightings, orbs, whatever. It's like, okay, yeah, I know. Like, they're out there. Like, I know. Like, yeah. Like, you know, it, ultimately, what your photo is doing and what the Tic Tac video is doing and what everything else is doing is basically just trying to convince an unconvinced population that this is a real thing. I'm already past that. Right. So, um, like I did find that photo really cool and intriguing. And if it came back and it was a butterfly, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Like that doesn't, that doesn't disprove anything. And the fact that, you know, what you're saying is that it's absolutely not a butterfly. It's a huge metal fucking thing. Okay. Like I can, I can accept that just as easily as it being a butterfly. Cause I'm already past that point. I'll tell you, I was freaking out. I'm not going to lie to you. I was freaking out. I was like, well, it's different when it's your reputation. I was like, it's, oh that's, God, that's a different thing. I was like, of this course. Is a fucking butterfly, and I'm gonna look like a buffoon. <laughs> and I'm like, oh god, bang up job, well, dude. I was like, oh god. I also, but, but I yeah, think it's important. So it, I, I think it's important to be able to be wrong. That it is what it is, and that it was yeah. caught the way it was caught, which is pretty wild. Um, when you consider how quickly, like, right, and we have the photo before and the photo after, and I have all the metadata. Oh, right. That's what I wanted to ask. 
that fast. It was that mm-hmm. fast. It was it was there. It was in through wherever or whatever it was doing. It didn't go up. It didn't go down. It didn't go left. It didn't go right because he would have caught it. He would have seen it. It was in and out. Um, it was there doing whatever it did in a fraction of a second, and then it was gone. So that's yeah. another reason why I know it's not a butterfly because I do trust his – I trust him. I trusted his words then, but I trusted the data more, right? Mm-hmm. And we have the data. And I put that data through um, basically uh, the same type of, uh, what do you call it, forensic data examination that that police use all over the world, right, with Griffi. Um, and I actually had to have them do it because I was not allowed access to Griffi itself because it has a lot of NCIS, uh, NCIC data and, like, data that um, – it, it looks at other metadata throughout the internet and searches for things. And I don't have the authority to use that. Um, you have to be uh, a, a law enforcement to, to get access to that type of stuff. Oh, interesting. So, so what you're saying is they can look at the metadata from that photo mm-hmm. and then correlate that with other metadata of Across the things web. that are occurring all over the world. Correct. On the web. Correct. Amazing. Yeah. And they confirm that, in fact, that metadata and it will also tell you if the metadata has been manipulated. Right. Right. Because they are law enforcement, they have agreements with Apple and Samsung and everything else so that, you know, if, if you were to put it on the Internet and you played with it, you can you can put it through Photoshop and you can play with the metadata. Right. And most people would never know that it's been played with. But when you put it through this software and they do it, um, they have agreements with with all of these companies across the world with all the manufacturers, not some in China, but, um, you know, your normal based uh, uh, smartphones and cameras and stuff like that. Um, so they'll give them that data that says, OK, these ones and zeros were manipulated. So it's not the metadata is wrong and it's admissible in a court of law. So it was important for me to get that part of it. And then the second part of it was to get, um, you know, the, the, what they call the, the, it's not luminosity, it's not luminosity. It's like lumis, lumaticity or something like that. And things that I didn't understand. I mean, it was a little over my head, but you could tell, like as you look through the picture and and anytime that you look at uh, a photograph um you can tell you can bring you bring it in you look at the lumaticity and you can see above if the colors are um consistent above and the colors mm. are consistent below and you do color sampling on the rear of the picture the front of the picture and then the middle of the picture and if that lumaticity is different it means two things. Either the object was placed there in the picture, separate. So it could be a made – I mean you could literally digitally create the object. Mm-hmm. Or if the lumaticity is correct below and and so above and it is on the object itself, the lumaticity back and forth is the same, then that means that object is in the middle, the middle ground, which is where it was – taken it was in the middle ground it wasn't it wasn't in the foreground it wasn't in the aft it was it was definitely in the middle which makes that object huge like really big um so that in and of itself i thought was a a very cool thing but it looks like we're now going to get um even more evidentiary based and 
um, some more testimony if I can get him to talk about it, um, mm -hmm. about the actual object itself being something that has been seen before um, and seen um, many, many, many years ago. We're talking maybe 25 to 30. Hmm. So that in and of itself is pretty cool. Um, but I wanted to also switch gears and talk about a couple other things. One, your thoughts on the Schumerman. I'm no expert on legislation. So I'll, I, I know that there is some controversy about it. Mm -hmm. On the surface, to me, it looked like this is an amazing historic and groundbreaking piece of legislation. Here is, let's call him the second most powerful Democrat in the country, with clearly with input from the first most powerful Democrat, the president or his office, using those words, non-human intelligence, using, um, you know, talking about craft and, and, and uh, the reverse engineering programs and all of this stuff, like just putting it right there into the language, that alone to me was just kind of stunning and seemed to point to some larger plan underway. We keep hearing there is a kind of timeline that has been established and that is being followed. Um, but that seemed to me to be the first concrete evidence that I could look at and go, maybe there is something to this, to this timeline being followed. Maybe there are benevolent um, gear pullers in the background trying to lay this out in a way that the American population and the global population will be able to digest it in a sober and responsible way. That was my initial take on it. And I know some people are saying the legislation doesn't go far enough or it doesn't do X or it doesn't do Y. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm no lawyer. Uh, but on the surface, it was a kind of stunning uh, uh, document to look at. On the surface, I believe it's probably one of the most explosive pieces of legislation in this arena that has ever occurred. Not mm -hmm. one. It is the most. Um, it does have, there's two things in it that give me, I, I guess the right word would be hope. And one mm -hmm. is that there is going to be a group that oversees whatever dissemination occurs because of this legislation. That's one. Mm -hmm. That gives me hope that one person alone can't just make a decision, right? It can't be just one person that says, no, we're not going to let this out. But then there's a little bit that goes up to the president, right? And the president can then classify certain aspects of it. Um, that comes down to being, again, politics, right? Now, whether, whether – it's Trump in the White House, whether it's uh, Biden in the White House, whether it's whoever in the White House, that person will have a final say on what gets out. That's a little bit concerning because to me, that's an out, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it also, if you read it, it also makes, um, and, and, and again, I'm not an attorney either, but it makes provisions that as long as it does not directly affect the uh, the the I think they use sovereignty of I'm trying to remember this back the sovereignty of as well as the national security of the United States that even the president can't stop it it has to come out right right that's what the legislation says um, 
So in that respect, that's very encouraging to me. Um, now, you also have to go back and you have to look at the trail, right? I talk about the investigation of, and this is like kind of, this is what I love doing is, is linking and finding things. So if we go back, right, and we look at where this came from, Schumer was big with who? Harry Reid. Harry Reid, before he died, was a disclosure advocate, right? A big disclosure advocate. And part of this, if you look at connections, right, and you go back and you look at Hillary Clinton and you look at uh, the Rockefellers, right, there are weird little signs in that whole thing. Like there's a great picture of a young Hillary Clinton walking with the Rockefellers. And in her book, in her hands is a book about disclosure, right? And that's, it's like, you've got all these weird things that are coming together and, you know, well, in her relationship with Podesta later and on. Podesta obviously. later on, right. And Podesta, we know, um, I know, um, is deep into this. And, and he's deep mm -hmm. into the now when President um, Biden pulled him up to be part of the, the, the energy you know, department. All of mm -hmm. that's all connected. Like it's all mm -hmm. there. Like – can you make a direct connection? Like if it was all hearsay, could you make a direct connection and say this, 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 and this? No, there's no smoking guns there for the most part. Um, what exists is all hearsay, but it's all evidentiary hearsay. Like you can put hearsay in a, in a, in a court of law. It, it happens all the time. Um, but is that hearsay strong enough evidence to say uh, this is this? And it, it isn't. It just isn't. Well, what, it's, it's but what you do have, what the evidence that you do have, though, is precipitated this question, which is this piece of legislation. Right. This piece of legislation doesn't come out in a vacuum. No. There's no reason for it to come out. There's no reason for Schumer to write this legislation None. or to be involved in this legislation and to, to put his imprimatur on it. Right. Why would he do that? And it's, it's, that's, it's, that's, to me, that's a very profound question. Like you can look at Burchett and Luna and whoever on the, on the Republican side and go, well, they have nothing to really lose here by pursuing this. You know, they're kind of fringy Republican members of Congress who, you know, sort of have a reputation as one thing and they're interested in this thing. Okay. But for Schumer to get up there, a guy with 40 plus years of service, who is, as I said, the second most powerful Democrat in the country. Um, leading the charge on this. It's incredible. Why? Incredible. Why? That, that's the thing. And, 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 and you can go, okay, well, as a, as it's, not, it's not as a tip of the hat to Harry Reid. You can understand that from sentimental point of view, like he was close to Reid and Reid wanted this. But for Schumer to get in front of cameras and talk about this and, and work with the White House to craft this, and it's clearly carefully crafted, Very. something is going on. So what is that thing? I mean, the obvious answer is, well, disclosure. Obviously, they're gearing up for some kind of disclosure. But is the obvious answer the correct answer? I don't know. Or is it a feint? Is it like he's putting this legislation out there, not for the American media to consume, but for the Russian and the Chinese media to consume? I don't know. I have no idea. It's You know what? Nothing would surprise me because... Well, let's let's address the Chinese and the and the Russian thing because I think it's a good question. Um, I don't think that's it. It's it's certainly apropos right now 
to ask that question mm-hmm. with what's going on world events. Um, I don't think that's it. I, I think it was carefully crafted in such a way that it was deliberate in that manner. So I, I, I really do believe that there is a concerted disclosure event that's occurring. And I, I have to go back and I have to think about as, as I piece everything together. And I look at Lou's role, right? And I look at Elizon, uh, and I, I look at Grush's role, which I think was a wild card, by the way. Sorry. I think so too. That's think, the impression I get as well. That came out. He was, I think he was that, yeah. yeah. That came out of the blue. He was a black swan. Mm, yeah. I, I, I don't think that was supposed to happen. Um, Lou, I think, and I can't prove this. So Lou, I know you might be listening, so don't take this the wrong way. Um, I think Lou is an arm of disclosure. I believe that mm-hmm. he is out there for a reason. I think he was probably absolutely correct and and truthful when he said he was uh, very disgusted with with what he was hitting uh, and the mm-hmm. walls he was hitting. Um, but as I've spoken to a very big journalist in this in this space, um, my understanding was that there were and there are and remain to be people behind the scenes, especially within Washington, that are good people that want this out, that don't believe that this is just a quote unquote um, uh, uh, national security issue. Um, I don't believe. And again, we talked about this a little bit, but um, we talked about the is this going to trigger something? I personally, I personally don't believe that that's the case. I don't think it's going to trigger anything. Um, it's a speculation. It's an, you know, we can we can read between the lines on certain things as people talk about them. But me personally, when I when I look at everything, and, and you are correct when you say, you know, there are people out there that are in the know, like Chris Mellon, for example, um, that are still advocating for disclosure and probably know tremendous amounts more information than they're putting out there. Um, for whatever reason, they cannot. Obviously, Chris Mellon was was deep into the into the you know military aspect of this, and the intelligence aspect of this. Um, so these people are still under their their NDAs. I mean, they can go to jail for this. Make make no mistake about it. Um, they can go to jail. They can have their lives completely ruined. Um, you know, if it comes from a treason point of view, you can be shot for treason. I mean, I, I don't think it's happened too much lately, but you know, it's it's. It can it can happen, um, so that there are reasons why some of these people have to be kind of beat around the bush, and I think it's certainly it's an interesting um, interesting string to pull on for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Let but, me ask you this: Yeah, I think the I think the the the, the narrative around disclosure is that ultimately it has to come from the government. But then there are other sort of parallel narratives that are trying very hard to not rely on the government. Avi Loeb, for example, and the Galileo Project, um, or what you're doing. Or, you know, I, I want to say what Lou's doing, but I don't know. I don't know how much, how, how tied he is to the government or not. Um, but let's say, you know, somebody comes out with a book, and in the book there are photos and, or there's, there's sort of undeniable, uh, corroborating 
evidence or and I mean anything's deniable, but there's but there's pretty right pretty good evidence at that point. Is it disclosure? I mean, it, it, does disclosure by definition have to come from a governmental agency? No, um, I think it has to get to the point, and and I think that this is part of the plan in place is that it's going to come from citizen journalism and it's going to come from a smoking gun somewhere outside of, but adjacent to the federal government. Now we could have the, it ripped off in another country. Right. But I don't Mm -hmm. think that that's happening. I think that there is a coordinated effort at one point. um, I also had talked to somebody else that was, um, informing other governments. They, they weren't informing other governments, but there was scuttlebutt that there was behind the scenes things going on of the United States contacting countries that might not necessarily be in the know, um, that something is going to come. I don't know what the words are. I don't know what that discussion was. It was scuttlebutt, but it made sense at the time that this person was talking about it. Um, so well, there might be, you know, so there was a five, there was a five charge. eyes conference about um, this as, as well, far right? I mean, as they... disclosure with the big D, I still remain that disclosure, at least with the little D has occurred. When you have, you know, when you have sitting senators, sitting United States senators and sitting United States Congress people saying, we are not alone. And it's not one that said it, it wasn't just Berchet or Burchette that that said it. It was I don't know that Luna said it, but I know that uh, Moskowitz said it, and he also put up on his on his Twitter account, disclosure is coming. Um, when you have uh, senators that are saying it, when you have a person like, um, you know, like you said, the, the, the second highest ranking Democrat in the, in the United States is putting out this explosive document and this explosive uh, uh, legislation, piece of legislation, um, which, by the way, is the second piece because the first part came with the whistleblower protection, right? So there's two pieces mm-hmm. now that have come out. Mm-hmm. It's not just one. There's a whistleblower protection specifically about reverse engineering with with respect to non-human intelligence, and so that's two pieces of 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 legislation that have occurred. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. why? The mainstream media, and and I believe there's probably a part of this that is coordinated that way. Um, why this isn't on the front page of every periodical and every every TV show is it blows my mind. It is the biggest question that we have to answer, and it's it's being answered right. Why is this not? The obvious question is because there's been a very good job over the years of discrediting this field and discrediting people in this field and making them look like idiots. Um, they've done a masterful job. I've, I've always been told or I've always been asked this question, well, if they're out there, right, well, why don't we know about them? I'm like, all you have to do is like pick up a book and look. They're there. <laughs> like it's just Google. It's Google. It's, the, it's like the worst kept secret in history. What they've done good or what they've done well is they've made people look foolish. That's what they've right. done well. They haven't kept this stuff in. It's it. They've done a piss poor job at keeping it in. Really, it's it's. Which is kind of why I'm reluctant to dismiss Bob Lazar because Bob Lazar is sort of an early uh, disclosure guy. Yep. And the knock on him was all the things that we can talk about. 
But at the same time, you go, all right, but 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 doesn't the sort of discrediting of Lazar follow the exact pattern of the discrediting of everybody else? I mean, something was going on with Lazar. Oh yeah. Whether he whether he was um, a useful idiot, like some people speculate, or, or whether what he is reporting is totally true, I, I don't know. But it's hard for me to, to totally discredit the guy. He's remained consistent over the years. He doesn't. You know, he's not a grifter. He's not trying to make money off of this. For decades, it seemed like he was just trying to be left alone about it. Um, I understand that there's like weird things going on with him in his past. But okay, we all have we weird all have things our, in yeah, our past. We all have our weird shit going on, don't we? Yeah, I know, I know. It's it's one and the fact and the fact that Nap takes him so seriously. He does. Because I, I I do trust Nap. I mean, to the extent that anybody can from a distance. Nap seems legitimate to me. Yeah, and and I'll tell you another one that's in the field that catches a lot of flack, and and who I think, and this is my own my own, and I've had contact with him, but this is my own assessment is that Stephen Greer may have at the beginning not been completely honest, but as he's gone. I do believe he's had a lot of people talk to him and come out to him and speak to him about this issue. Thereby, he's gone from maybe people didn't trust him to the point where maybe you need to listen to him a little bit more because I, I know he's going to have contacts that are coming to him. And, and there's just no way that they're not coming to him at this point. So some of the stuff that he puts out there is way off the wall for me, way off the me wall, too. you know, and it's the mm -hmm. same with, you know, with, with some of the stuff that I've talked about, it's way off the wall and I get it. I understand it. But at the same time, there is a legitimacy now, I think more so maybe than 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I, I don't know how long exactly, but, um, you know, he, he, I don't know. Greer, Greer lives in like a separate place for me. He does. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand Greer's deal really. Uh, I, I agree with you. Like there's, there, there's absolutely something legitimate there. There's also a lot of just like smoking mirrors there too. And I don't know what it is. I don't yeah. know what's true and what is it. I, I just, I tend to kind of ignore him just because I don't understand him. Yeah, and if I don't understand boat. it, there's enough, there's a, there's enough people who I find credible that I'll pay more attention to them. Yeah. I think we're in that exact same boat. I think there's a part of it that is, that is true and is, is tacit and is real. You know, he, he had a thing in, um, recently in a year ago, um, maybe not six months, whatever, where he had people mm -hmm. testifying. Um, and he talked about one of the guys that was talking about, um, I think it was the Antarctic or, or mm -hmm. Alaska or something about the energy, um, whom I found incredibly, incredibly legitimate. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I listened to everything he had to say and whether he understands it fully or, or not, I don't know, but, um, seemed very legitimate and it, it coincides or, or it, there's, there are, things that seem to make connections with me about that in that um that part of the world is is largely untouched right it's mm -hmm. it's largely left alone um when you look at the un charter for that area of the world nobody owns it right it's it's supposed to be a, an area that is for pure research and science now we know that's not always true Right. You're going to have stuff going on under the ice. You're going to have, you know, the, the, there's going to be conflict no matter where humans are going to be. It's gonna... You can hear me. I lost you again. Yep. I'm still no, I here. You. I got you back. Okay. You. So, yeah. So you're going to have, you know, I'll, I'll go back up a little bit. So that area of the world is largely supposed to be 
for the sake of humanity. It's not supposed to be, you know, Russia's or, or China's or America. It's supposed to be for, for everybody. And I found his testimony about, you know, the the systems that were going up the pretty very credible. I, I, I found him to be a very credible guy. So in that respect, Greer has um, been able to assemble some people that I do listen to, right? But I think I'm on the same same hill as you that it's so hard to understand what the motivation is there because it doesn't feel like it's totally um, totally about disclosure. There seems to be some personal things there that are mm-hmm. odd to me. Um, and I've said this from the beginning. I could I could care less about fame and fortune. I don't care. Um, it's nice to be acknowledged for things that that I've put out there, and I've seen lately a lot of stuff that I've talked about and written about that all of a sudden has come out as like, well, this is this and this. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe just shout back a little bit and say, you know, hey, but that's all right. I, I don't care. Steve I, was I, on the whole cold laser thing. I was, all, I was on this like, uh, why, and, and I had PhDs who were like, you're an idiot. I'm like, I'm not an idiot. I'm telling you this is what it was. And then all of a sudden China's like, oh, we have this. I'm like, uh, you know, it's like, come on. But yeah, so it is what it is. But it, my my goal is the disclosure of it is not the the fame and the and the side of that. Like, I don't care about those things. It's not, you know, whatever it, it is. It, it just acknowledge maybe something that says, hey, he talked about this. And then all of a sudden this came up. But that would be nice. But, you know. <laughs> well, so clearly you're doing good work. And, sure. and I will acknowledge the good work that you are doing. I will say for me, though, I agree with you that disclosure lowercase d has already happened. For me, it was the Schumer legislation. Like as soon as I read that, I was like, all right, well, he's just saying this is real. Right. And all of that is fascinating to me. I'm far more interested now in the day after disclosure. I'm far more interested in where do we go? Mm-hmm. What what are the questions that this raises and how do we go about answering them and who's going to answer them? And and like what what does this next chapter for humanity look like that's that's what's so interesting to me um i would love the star wars version or not the star wars i would like the star trek version of that i don't think that's the case for whatever reason i don't think that's the case that would be nice um i i i guess a couple of things that i did i have been told and know about is that's not the case. Um, now, oh, shit, I, lost you I don't know just if that's you overall. If you listen to, and and I've had this discussion again with, uh, I'll tell you off air, but I've had mm-hmm. this discussion with this person that there are not one or two NHI, that there are mm-hmm. many NHI. In the we, dozens? In the dozens or more. And, and that mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form, they have interacted with earth. How much of that I I believe – I would think that there would be more evidence of that. Um, mm-hmm. But again, if they're, if they're into and, and you look at the – you know, if they're traveling through the holographic principle through a interdimensionality, would we even have the capability of seeing it? You know, right. could they be sitting and zipping around and, and we literally don't have the capability of seeing it because our physics are not there yet? Um, I guess that's possible. You know, that's the if if you look at the boy, we're all over the place today. I love this. So if you look at the uh, the the Drake equation, right? Um, 
and it's a it's a very complex equation based upon the amount of stars and the amount of planets and where are they all right where the, where the hell are they well if we look in our three-dimensional world i think we can apply drake equation but mm-hmm. if we look in our well we live in a four-dimensional world if you can if you put space time as the fourth dimension that's what einstein posited and i tend to kind of listen to that part of it because he's been really right on just about everything um, I think Einstein's a pretty good source. Yeah. I think you can go with Einstein I, most of the time. I, I think we can probably say that he, <laughs> he had it down. He had his shit together, right? <laughs> so, but if, so if you go to the fifth dimension, like there's, there's these thoughts about what does the fifth dimension look like? And mathematically, they can kind of put it together. Like um, Kevin Knuth is a guy that he's with uh, UAPX. Um, he's with um, Albany. And he's a he's a he's a PhD, and he's I've talked to him, and he does um, a lot of speculation into that arena. Right. So, what does a fifth dimension possibly look like? And it would be to see everything in the third and the fourth dimension simultaneously. Right. It's mm. like I don't know if you ever followed that famous physics thing, but you can you know Flatland. There's a book on mm-hmm. it called Flatland, and you can you can see you can go this way. There's one dimension, and then you go two, and then you finally get into the third. But you can see everything under you. Right. The third dimension right. can see the second dimension. The second dimension can see the first dimension, and so on. So it's it's a logical progression. So what would the fifth dimension look like? Well, you'd see everything in a box basically is what it looks like. So you could pick up the third dimension, literally pick up pieces of the third dimension, turn it around, look at it and see it from every single angle all at once. Right. So one of the interesting things I've, I, I discussed with several people over, over the course of the time was, you know, Drake equation is not going to work. As soon as you hit that dimension, it, it, it falls apart. Everything mm. falls apart because we don't understand the physics of that realm. Um, and then now let's say we take fifth dimension. Now let's go above that, right? Now it's pure speculation what the sixth dimension is, right? Because now you're seeing everything in the fifth dimension. So we know that if you're in the fifth dimension, you can manipulate matter in the three, two, and one, right? So if you're now in the sixth dimension and you can manipulate – you're think about this. You're now able to manipulate – the fifth dimension, you're able to manipulate space-time, you're able to manipulate the third dimension, which is what we see every day, two and one. Now, two and one, I think, are probably not as important as the... You need to get one and two to get to three, right? But you you don't necessarily have to work in the one and two. So a sixth dimensional being or a sixth dimensional ability would give you the ability to do all of these things. I don't think you need to go much more than the sixth dimension. You now have the ability to manipulate space-time. You have the uh, the ability to manipulate wormholes because that's part of space-time. You have the ability to manipulate, um, I, I guess some people call it teleportation, but it's a portal from place A to point B. Right. You have the ability to do that because you can see where they are. You can literally mm-hmm. pick up the third dimension, plot yeah. through it. Put it over there. And go to there to there. Right. Mm-hmm. All you need is a technology to do that. So if you have a, a, a civilization that's been able to get into those dimensions, 
you have a, a you have a, a a civilization that's able to manipulate and go through them. So to us, with the you look at the holographic principle. So if you're up in the fifth dimension and you're moving a ship, right? Just like the third dimension into the second dimension. I know I'm going off the rails here. But if you go look into the third dimension and you look at the second dimension and we have a shadow so the sun hits us, right? The second dimension would be see that shadow moving around, right? But they wouldn't see us. They wouldn't see that right. third dimension. So it's the same thing with interdimensionality when the craft are moving. So if they stay in a fifth dimension all the time, you're never going to see them. But you will get glimpses of them. Right. Because mm -hmm. it's it's going to bleed over into our realm It that that's mm -hmm. and, and mathematically speaking. And I can't do the math, but mathematically speaking, others have done it and can prove mathematically the the you know, that's the language of the universe can prove mathematically that this is what can occur. Have we figured all that out, that that's what they're doing? You know, I'm told that to a certain extent, yes, we know that that's part of what's going on. Um, but again, the power requirements to get there, we don't have it. Um, the, the ability to create all that power in order to open those pathways does not exist for us as humans, right. or at least in the respect that we haven't been told that we've had that, you know, in order to get to, um, Somebody made a comment the other day. I, I don't remember who it was, but they were some. Somebody made an interesting comment that if we prove that um, what do you call it, uh, anti gravity exists, we've already proven that there's other dimensions because technically, in order for anti gravity to even exist, you have to at least beyond the fourth dimension of time and space because you're beating gravity. Oh, mm -hmm. I know it was Kevin Day was talking about that. He was talking about how the 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 Tic Tacs that they saw went from 20,000 feet down to the ocean in, I think it was like 0.76 seconds, which is, which when Kevin Knuth did the um, calculations, it's 5,920 Gs from 20,000 feet to the surface of the ocean. And then Kevin was talking about the ability for those things to do it without any sonic boom, which means you're outside of our envelope at that point. Um, and then he talked about how he was able to, and not just him, the entire strike group found all of these Tic Tacs, over a hundred of them. And we're talking about 40 foot long by, you know, 60 feet around or 30 feet around, whatever it was, were able to go off radar. And what he believes is that they were entering our ocean, um, 60 nautical miles outside of their area, which was well within their, their radar range. So he's talking about. Um, anti-gravity. So at that point, they're manipulating not only space-time, but they're also manipulating gravity, right? Because they're able to do these things. Because in order for uh, something to go through the air and, and go by you at, you know, more than the speed of sound, you boom, right? It, we, we already know that. We see that. We're human beings. We break the sound barrier. So in order for an object to move and not do that, it has to be operating outside of our known physics. It has to has to so you know and that's what he said there were over 100 tic tacs yeah there were over 100 tic tacs that they they had over like a six-day period um and they were catching them so i don't he's not saying this so he can't get in trouble 
they were they they tracked him at twenty to forty to sixty thousand feet. Now the envelope for supposedly the envelope for us being able to and it, mind you, this is two thousand four, right? So it's twenty twenty three now. So you're talking about old technology, considering what we have, right? They were coming from over eighty thousand feet in the mm-hmm. atmosphere, which is which is you're getting up above at that point. You're you're low Earth orbit at eighty thousand feet. It's it's right at that. I can't remember what they call the line there, but whatever. Coming from eighty thousand feet down to twenty thousand feet, and they were doing that in under a second. From twenty thousand feet down to the to the ocean floor, like forty feet above the ocean, in another 0.76 seconds. So that drop from eighty thousand to twenty thousand, and they saw at least a hundred of these objects do it. Go from that eighty thousand foot envelope down to the twenty thousand in under one second, and then again from twenty thousand down to the thing in under a second. So that, if you think about it, that eighty thousand to twenty thousand is obviously greater than twenty thousand to zero or forty feet. So if that twenty thousand to forty feet over the ocean, we're talking about fifty nine hundred G's. You could almost almost triple that to fifteen thousand G's. Mm-hmm. Tell me any material science on the planet that can do that. Right. It, it would be shredded like anything. I mean, diamond would get shredded. I mean, think about mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's you, on the most scale, diamond's the hardest thing, but it would literally rip apart the very atoms of, of the diamond that did it. I know we're not building. So did he speculate on what they're, how they're doing it? He doesn't know how they're doing it. Um, other than from a human point of view, the only way that it could be done is that they are manipulating um, anti-gravity. They, they have so, to be. It, you know, the way that I can conceptualize this is through like the, the Einstein-Rosenberg bridge, whatever. So you're going from – you're sort of bending paper and you're going from here to here. Okay. Yeah, then right. you're there. But what they're seeing is the actual traverse. They're seeing these things actually moving. They're seeing them and, and there is data that was pulled off the ships, all of the ships. Right that show it and it's not right. just kevin that saw it we're talking about like 25 or 30 radar operators i mean we're talking about the best that on multiple ships on multiple ships right so, so it's, it's not like one radar system is no. fritzed out yeah this was not it's, this was everybody right. so right. consider that i mean the explosiveness of that but the problem is is that it was shut down it was brought all that data is gone. And one of the things I said to him, I asked him specifically, I said, how many times now he was, you know, 15, 16, 18 years, whatever it was that he was in the military and top gun radar operator, right? Best of the best. I asked him of all the floats that you did of all the, and he's been in wars. He's been all over the world. I said, in all of those times, how many times had somebody ever come on board and taken the, the data that mm. you had just gotten? He said, it never happened. And the reason why is because we have to use that data for reporting. The following day, I'm, I'm sending emails here or there or there and saying, okay, so X happened here, B happened here, C happened here. And you have to write your reports based upon that data and you have to refer back to that. They don't take data off ships. That does not happen. It just does not ever, ever happen. He said within hours of that occurring the next morning, they were on ship and they had everything gone. Do you know who they were? Um, I So, yes. Um, I can't get him to acknowledge me anymore. Um, but Peter Bythrow was the 
chief scientist um, for the basically the intelligence arm um, of gathering information. So his job was to not only observe and to look at the specific data, um, but he also works within the realm of signature um, physics. So his job was to, at the time, any type of, it wasn't just anomalous data, but this was under his umbrella. Anytime he had anomalous data, he would take that data, disseminate it, figure out what was going on with it. Um, now, he started talking to me very early on, and then when they started getting a little deeper, he, he, he ghosted. Um, since then, I've had a couple other people, big names, reach out, and he has now shut off his emails. His phone number is now disconnected, and he will not speak. Um, I know the name is there. I know who he is. I know what he did. I know what his job was. Um, Peter, I, and I told him his name was going to go out there. And, and, you know, I tried early on to get him on my side, um, friendly discussions. And, and either somebody got to him or he just decided that this wasn't worth coming out and talking about. Um, which is sad because I believe that he has an incredible amount of knowledge um, about these programs, um, specifically legacy programs. Um, so I'm a little dismayed at that, but it is what it is. I mean, I know who did it. And, and I did share that information with some people that were in that specific incident um, that have tried to reach out to him as well. So I know where it is. I know where where it went. I also know that there are um, very high quality videos of that encounter, not not FLIR, um, but oh, actual sure. actual cockpit video. How could there not be part. Yeah, there is. It's all out there. Well, it's not out there. It's all there. No, it's there. It's yeah. there. Um, in fact, and, and this is one of the things that I've I haven't put this out there, but I put part of this out there. Um, I believe. And the reason why I went to, to kind of try to talk to Peter was that um, I believe Peter either leaked it to Lou, those three videos, or had it leaked to Lou. Um, I can't confirm that. All right. That that is a it's based upon a conversation that I had with somebody else that said that was how it went down. So I don't I. I can't say it as fact. I know Peter Peter Bythrow can come after all while he wants. He's the guy. He's the guy that locked down Nimitz. There's, I have no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's the guy that locked hmm. down the Nimitz encounter. Um, whether he was told to lock it down, I don't know, but he was the guy that locked it down. And he was the guy that subsequently, I believe in what I was told, like I said, leaked those those videos. So maybe it comes out later on that that is absolutely 100% true. Um, I'm trying to get confirmation on that to a certain extent, but I have, I have yet to. There's going to be a hell of a story to tell about this period from 2017 until whenever that right. kind of big D disclosure happens. It, it um, is. It, there's you a know, hell of a story. It, it's not only a hell of a story, but there's people fighting it, right? There's active, mm -hmm. there's active fighting going on. And Tim Burchett, you know, he, he put it out there. He said it's it's money and power. And the first thing I thought of was 
He's probably right. Um, but I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it is either. No, I think that's a, and I, I actually, regardless of politics, because I believe that this is a humanity issue, right? I don't mm-hmm. care what color you are, what orientation you are. I don't care where you live. I don't care if you vote blue or red or somewhere in the spec. I don't care. Every person has a right to know where they are, where they came from and where they're going. Period. Hard stop. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. So mm-hmm. though I don't agree with all of his politics, I do like his tenacity. And speaking of Tim here, I do like the tenacity he shows about this. Um, I like, you know, Moskowitz is another one who's obviously a very liberal uh, mm-hmm. person who also is on this. Right. So you can see that this issue really look at look at Schumer. I mean, Schumer and Schumer and Birch, it couldn't be as far away from each other ideologically as you could be. Same with AOC. Right. And and could and not Matt Gates get that, that hearing. Right. Could not be further apart. Right. Yet there is one thing that brings them together and it's this topic. And you have to ask yourself, well, why is it? And I, I want to believe it isn't because they want to be in front of the camera. I could be naive in that. But I don't see, uh, especially with with Schumer, I don't see an end game with that. Makes no mm. sense to me. He doesn't need it in any way, shape, or form. No, the opposite. Right. It's it, the, it could it's be the, the exact opposite. opposite. Right. There's so, no, as I said earlier, there's no reason for him to do this. It can only damage him politically unless he knows something we don't know, which is that disclosure is coming. That disclosure is coming, and you know, there's been some speculation. And he's trying to set the table for it. Yeah, and he's and, trying to make it happen. Yeah, you, you talked about you know whether it could be something against our adversaries, and and yeah, it could. I just I I'm hoping that's not it. I, I'm really hoping that's not it. So anyway, we've had quite the conversation here. We have. Um, um, any final thoughts? Um, something that you talked about earlier that just has always stuck with me since 2017 when that article came out. You said something to the effect of, you know, people aren't like, why isn't this on every television station? Why Why isn't every mainstream journalist covering this story? And I think the longer I'm exposed to this, I do think there is something, I don't know if it's in the majority of the population or what, but there is something about this topic that just shuts people's brains down. I don't think it's as simple as the CIA in 1952 going, we're just going to make fun of people. Right. There's something else going on. I'm basing that partly on personal experience. I'll, get, I'll tell you the quick story. I, I, the only time I ever saw UFO, I was 16 or 17 years old. I was coming back from the movies with my girlfriend at the time and my best friend. We were in a car. We were driving through the woods. We looked up. We saw... My memory of it is a little bit hazy now, but in my memory, it's a sort of classic orange kind of fireball, sort of moving across the sky silently. I thought there must be a plane crashing. We tried to follow it, but we were in the woods. We couldn't, you know, it was was over trees. We couldn't, right? Next morning, I get up. I look in the local paper. Was there a plane crash? Nothing, okay? I don't know what I saw, but I saw something. Here's Here's the point. My friends and I never talked about it. Never talked about it once, even though it was this bizarre thing that we saw. Uh, Maybe a year or so ago, maybe two years ago, I contacted my girlfriend at the time and I said, do you remember this? And I knew she was going to say no. And she said no. 
She did he had no memory of this. So there's one of two things happening. Either it's a, it's a memory that I invented, very specific, and involved me going downstairs the next day and looking in the paper. Did that not happen? Right. Or there's some sort of tamping down effect um, that people experience when they observe an, an, uh, an, anomal an anomalous object. Um, and that seems, uh, my inclination is to believe that because I feel like that's a well sort of documented phenomenon that people when confronted with something they don't understand sometimes just tune it out and shut it off. And I, I tend to believe that's kind of what's going on globally with this story that for most people, it just sort of goes in through one ear and out the other. They don't see how it affects their lives on a daily basis. They don't know what to believe. They, they, it just, it's such a big topic to get your head around. I think most people would rather just click off. That to me has been super fascinating to observe the kind of, I don't see it. I don't hear it. It matters not to me at all. That's well, been amazing to me. Yeah, and, and as much as I I love my, <clears throat> excuse me love my wife, and she's probably going to slap me when she hears me. She's in the other room. She doesn't want anything to do with this. She, my wife too. She doesn't care. Doesn't want <laughs> anything to do with it in any way, shape, or form, and that's fine. I do try and push it on her sometimes, and she's like, mm -hmm. "Knock it off." But yeah, the first it. time I got my wife interested, I was out for lunch with Dave Foley who I, I don't know if you know, uh, he's a comedian from the kids yep. in the hall, yep. big UFO guy. We were out for lunch and we were sort of two, uh, double teaming my wife on this topic to sort of get her interested. And she was like, yeah, that's all really interesting. That's all really interesting. So she was like, Check. You know, it's yeah. like, Shut it, up just, now. it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those, like, um, I love you, honey, but you know, I'm not crazy. Right. Yeah, but it's it's. Yeah, she says that remains to be seen. Um, <laughs> it's it's you know it's one of those things that I don't want to say people are simple because that's not right. I know that that's not the right thing to say, but um, it comes. I down. think it either just speaks to you or it doesn't. I think and, so. And for people like us, we don't understand why it doesn't speak to everybody right. because it speaks so deeply to us. Right. And, and not I don't only think that, it's a question of people being simple or not simple. I think there's just, I don't know, there's like a gene I have that makes me have to go down this road. Well, I was one of those kids that I always said, why? You know, yep. my parents would be driven insane. It, I was always, why, 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 why? And like, okay, go play with the birds outside for a little while. But, you know, <laughs> it, it, I just, I, it's natural curiosity that I have. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not just a natural curiosity. To me, it's deeper than that. It's, um, it's a fundamental question. It, it speaks to it, who we are. It does. To me personally. It's very, very deep. It, yeah. It, it is. It's a, and, you know, I just turned 50 and, and, I've noticed that in my life as I've gone along and I can look back in the past at, at, at things that I believed in or I thought were real um, are not the same things that I think are real and believe in today at 50. It's not the same. I believe that I have evolved my thought processes over time um, and along with that, and I'm not a spiritual person in any way, shape or form. Um, I'm more of a humanist person, meaning I, I want to know about the human condition and the involvement. Um, 
of the whys and the hows across. And I and I like looking at it from pretty much any perspective, whether you are mm-hmm. whether you're a tribe in Papua New Guinea or or you know a billionaire. I want to know the thought processes that are going on. It intrigues me. It, it makes me think. Um, and it keeps my mind, you know, from getting moss on it. So for me personally, it's, it, it is too about that though the physics of it and the, and the objects really excite me because I love thinking about those things. Like I like thinking about things that are completely outside of our thought processes of what our world is and our physics. And, 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 you know, the fact that we haven't discovered 90% of our ocean boggles my mind. Like we know more about the moon than we do about our own oceans. Right. And that we don't understand 90 plus percent of what makes up our universe. Right. And some of that, you know, and, and some of that too, one of the things that I had thought about about that, and, and I won't call out any uh, physicists, but, you know, there's one in particular that is kind of completely and totally away from the, uh, the, the, the alien hypothesis in any way, shape or form. Um, I think I know the physicist of whom I, you speak. I am certain. And whom I have great admiration for and yes. enjoy. Yes. And, and you know that the thing of it is, it's like – are you doing it out of ego or are you doing it <laughs> because if it's right, I, I'm like, I'm, I don't know. Like that one bugs me a little bit because mm-hmm. to me, right, a scientist has to question everything, right? And we yeah. we don't have all the answers and we can't make those answers. So for that, I, I, I was like, that one surprised me because I'll be honest with you. I've been listening to those podcasts and listening and showing my kids as they were growing up, you know, trying to teach them about these things. And I was like, that one kind of pissed me off, I'll be honest. I was kind of <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, why did you do that? Like, I, I like, I, I've gone to your <laughs> seminars before. Like, I've seen you live. And I'm like, ah. And I was like, what is going on? And, and it's, but, it's but, fine. But you need, you, but I agree with you. Like, it's annoying to me at the same time. We need those people. To we, an need extent, yeah, Mick you're right. we need Mick Wests. We need Mick Wests. We need Neil deGrasse Tyson's. We need everybody because, and excuse me for saying his name, but we need him. We need him the same way that the Republicans need the Democrats and the Democrats need the Republicans. It's that same thing. You have to have these contradictions. You have to have conflict. In those tensions is where we unearth stuff. As long as people are are, are entering it into it in good faith. And I think in, in Tyson's case, I think it is good faith. Um, maybe not so much with West, but but I think he provides a service. Um, we need that. We, we you, you need, like, every... Uh, presupposition you have has to be challenged in this field. It has to yeah, be. I do because, agree with be, that. Be, and and you and and you need somebody pushing back hard. And if your evidence stands up to that, great. That's what you need. And if it doesn't, great. You need that too. Um, I do think that he is ignoring some evidence, some powerful evidence. Agreed. But okay, uh, okay. Like I can I can live with that. I can live with it as long as I believe that he is in good faith looking at looking at this topic and he has been dismissive that being said i also think the door has cracked open a little bit with him um i'm basing that on that kind of contentious interview he did on uh, theory of everything yeah. where it seemed like you know he wasn't shutting the door i felt like actually the door opened up a little bit um it's okay i mean i think it's okay i i i i 
I, I respect him a lot. And, um, as, 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 as long as he's open to the questions. Great. Um, before we go, I did want to get your, your thoughts on one thing. So you saw, um, the NASA, uh, report that came out, right? And you, you, which one did there, I mean, so the, 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 there was that first thing that Kirkpatrick hosted. No, I this, don't know. I don't know that I saw it. So this was, uh, Bill Nelson was, uh, came out and talked about, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think about his comments with Grush? Did you hear that? I, so again, we're talking about reading between the lines. Right. It seemed really interesting to me because it sounded like uh, the, the Grush thing was weird. Like he was being very dismissive of Grush in a way that I didn't quite understand. I didn't, in fact, I didn't understand at all. You're right. Because he, he was mischaracterizing everything that Grush had testified to. Um, he, 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 he was saying, you know, he heard it from some guys and then told the inspector general. It sounded like, like he was hanging out at, you know, Hooters or something. Right. And somebody said something when that wasn't at all the case. That being, so that I was like, I don't know where this is coming from. It's weird. It that bizarre. being said, if we agree that Grush was a black swan, then maybe I can understand a little bit because of other comments he made where it sounded very much like he was trying to very subtly say, this is real. Like I'm open, like I'm trying to like set the table for disclosure here. Um, but I can't yet. It sounded to me from other comments that he was making, like we're trying, like we're trying to get this out there. We don't have the data yet. We don't have, we're not able to, but it sounded like what he was saying is, but my personal opinion is this is real. That's how I interpreted his other comments, his Grush comments. If we agree that Grush is a black swan, it may be more useful for him to dismiss Grush because Grush is fucking up the timetable. Right. Grush is fucking up whatever they're trying to do. So if I can just sort of put that to the side, then maybe I'm cool with what Nelson was saying. And that, I don't know. And I think we agree that, that Grush is a black swan. He came out of the woodwork. I don't honestly believe that was part of the agenda of moving disclosure forward. Um, it just happened to be that this guy who had took it on himself. Yeah. And because he wasn't getting support. Yeah. He wasn't getting support. And, you know, he admittedly um, has autism. And mm -hmm. I've, I've got, you know, I have some friends that I know have autism and I have a family member that I think is undiagnosed, but has autism. And in their world and their worldview, everything is black or white. There, there's very little gray area. So to his credit, and and to his intelligence because his mind works that way. I believe for him personally, it was a it was a matter of I need to get this out there. Like I can't live with this. Like I can't mm -hmm. it, it can't sit in my soul. He's that type of person. Like it just it can't mm -hmm. sit here and me know all this and not be able to come out. And I and I think he's certainly very very careful about how he he speaks and he's very careful careful about what he reveals. And that's kind of the juxtaposition that I have with Lou, right? Where Lou, who has been very careful as well, I think Lou has shared more from the, I guess the, I don't want to say a disclosure side. I, I want to say it more along the lines of like the be prepared line. 
You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like he's more along the lines of saying, I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is right this second, but you kind of need to be prepared for what's coming. Right. That's, mm-hmm. that's more along the lines of what I get from Lou as opposed to what I get from Grush. What I get from Grush is the United States has these programs. There's a lot of other things going on. And Lou seems more of a, uh, cerebral, maybe more about the, I, I think he's looking at it more holistically. Right. Like Grush had a job to do. Grush was tasked with finding this out. He found it out. He wasn't get support. He said, fuck this. I'm going public. Right. I understand that. But that's a kind of narrow field division. I get the sense from Elizondo that he has a more holistic view of this from a national security point of view, from you know a, a, a philosophical, theological point of view. Right. I think he's looking at it in a more, well, 5D uh, perspective understanding that, you know, he talks about breadcrumbs, understanding that the public is going to have to pick up the breadcrumbs and go piece by piece by piece, as opposed to Grush just going, we got him. Yeah. (laughs) Like just throwing it all out there. Right. You know, and you can understand why. And do you know, do you know what the relationship right now is between Elizondo and Grush? Like Grush joined the Saul Foundation, right? So isn't Elizondo involved with that? uh, To my knowledge, no. Um, Okay. But... Um, I wouldn't, and I can't categorically say this because I've had, um, to my knowledge, I, I gotta be careful how I say this to my knowledge, Grush and Lou have had no or very little contact to my hmm, knowledge, Interesting. to my knowledge. Um, I can't really go any more than that. I could tell you off air, but I can't really go more into that. Um, mm-hmm. What I do know is that, like I said there, and and this was partially my feeling, is that they've had um, two different point of views, um, but at the same time, all on that same level of of disclosure. Yeah, leading to the same place. Leading to the same place, doing it a different way, but getting there together or at least to some extent, um, I don't want to say corroborating, but maybe just – you know, like you, like our, our, like you and I, we have two different versions, not versions, but two different outlooks on how we look at things. Yours is more towards that, the, the consciousness end of it, where mine is more towards the, um, you know, the tech end of it. So I think mm-hmm. there's, there's things going on there that, that there certainly, as you say, he has, Lou has a much more holistic view of things. Um, and I certainly believe that there's, there's continuity. How, how's that? There's there's continuity Great. to what's going on there, and and I think that that is a good thing. Um, I think that there are some bad actors in this field. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not naming any names, um, but I do think that there are some people in this field that are doing it specifically for um, clout, specifically for sure. Um, you know, I look at me, look at me. And like I said, when we discussed a little bit earlier, I don't care about the fame part of it. I do care about occasionally getting a little bit of credit here or there. That's fine. I, that would be nice. But um, at the end of the day, my my goal is that initial or like I said, I think the initial has already been out there. But that big disclosure as in, listen, everybody, it's real. This is this. We don't know exactly all of it. So over the next five years, 10 years, we're going to be bringing you more, right? We're going to tell you as we get it. Um, I want to get to that point. 
I want to get to that point where I can talk to my wife and say, you know, here it is. This is just, it's there. Okay. Your, your, your president just came on TV and told you or whatever, whatever, how it looks. Um, we need to get to that point. And once we've gotten to that point, um, I believe the rest, like I've said it before, it's details. It's all details. It's just filling in the blanks over the years, what has occurred, what has not occurred. Um, I was told Roswell was not us, um, was not NHI. It was, in fact, us that blew our own stuff up that we were trying to work on um, from NHI, from reverse engineering, is that we didn't know what the hell we were doing. And when we tried to engage or do whatever it was that we were doing, uh, it went kaboom. And, and, but it came from that line. So it wasn't little gray, little green, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't. It was humans that blew themselves up. Um, is that true? I don't know. Again, that was part of the article. But I, don't, I don't know the truth behind it. I don't know that it's 100% true. I can only tell you what was told to me. And it kind of made a lot of sense. Like I was like, all right, that that actually makes sense that we're trying. Well, to- it kind of supports what Drush was saying, right? Yeah. I mean, if 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 it was 1947, yep. was it? Seven. Uh, so if they found that thing in Italy in the 30s, mm-hmm. it's possible we were working on it for 10 years. Got to the point where we did with Roswell, yeah. crashed the and then, thing. And then turned it on and went boom. You know, and, and it, it makes sense because you think about the 40s, kind of why we barely had, I don't even think we had bubble wrap yet. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, we weren't there yet. You know, it was, we had some brilliant minds. Don't get me wrong. You know, you just go back to, you go back to our friend Einstein. We had some brilliant yeah. minds out there, but our materials tech wasn't there, right? It was, mm-hmm. we were still flying around. Why is my nose so runny tonight? Um. We were, still flying around. we were still flying around with, with propellers, right? It wasn't, yep. you know, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense from the point of view of um, timeline, it made sense, but it also makes sense from a materials point of view. If we were trying to plug something in to something that we thought we knew and then turned it on and it went boom, it, that makes <laughs> sense, you know? Right. It does. So, and I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I can just say that it makes sense from where I, yeah, where I heard it from. Certainly doesn't make any less sense than anything it else. It doesn't because no. none of it makes any sense. None of it which makes is sense. Also, part of the joy of it. Yes, it, it is, and it's it's a fun subject to dive into, and I I do, I enjoy the hell out of it. It's it's a yeah. it's a fun little. It gets to the the, the thought experiment that the thinkers going. I'll tell you, it gets the synapses burning a little bit. It sure does. I love it. So me too. I'm hoping that very soon we're going to have that big disclosure, though. That's that's what I, I'm hoping for. I would love it. I kind of doubt it's ever going to happen, but I would love it. Don't say that. It's going to happen. We have to be. Right. We have to be happy and and and. <laughs> anyway, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Hey, the pleasure was mine. Thanks for inviting me on. This was great. Absolutely, I'd love to have you again someday as well soon. Anytime. And I'm gonna. I'm going to, so for everybody that's out there, we had a technical thing in the middle of this thing where I had to turn the TV, I'm not TV, my uh, laptop, for some reason just decided to stop functioning. So, and and put a (laughs) Windows update on. I got to turn that off. I have auto updates on and it was like, oh, we're going to do this now. Like, okay. You're like, bad time. It's kind of a bad time. Yeah, it's kind of a bad time, but you know. (laughs) I, I fight technology on a daily basis. That's all I can say. 
it never, never, yeah, we it, all do. it never works functionally for me. So, well, hopefully the aliens have better tech. Uh, all we can hope. Anyway, all right. So, thank you very much. Do you have anything you want to talk about? Nah. Sure. We talked about yeah. We talked about a lot of shit. Right. Come see me on tour. I'm touring with the state, which is my sketch comedy group. Or you can go see me uh, do stand up. You coming up here to Boston? Yes, actually. When on? Uh, let me look at my calendar. November 10th and 11th. Well, I'm, I'm coming up to see Cabot you. in Beverly, Massachusetts. All right. Mark it. I'm coming to see you. Great. All right. Come on by. Awesome. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to meet you in person. All right. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks, Steve. Don't do you anything too. I wouldn't do. I'm not sure what you would do or you wouldn't do. It seems like you would do a lot. I was, I'm a troublemaker. <laughs> I feel like you might be. <laughs> All right. Take it easy, Michael. Thank you very you much. Too. Take care. You, bye-bye. Bye. You just listened to the Dear People of Earth podcast, All Rights Reserved. We would like to thank Michael Ian Black for his insight and discussion on the UFO topic. We invite you to visit michaelianblack.com for tour dates and to learn more about Michael. Thank you for listening.